Welcome into the Otson Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Mailbag on a Tuesday without Eric Scopel. Uh, it, it's all sorts of changes on this one. Uh, Jared and I are going to run through a wide variety of questions. Um, I think we got some recruiting. We got some team football. Um, and then we just got some like duck memory type stuff. It's like the perfect mix, I think, Jared, of mm-hmm. summer content, uh, a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah, definitely a good mix for the summer. All right, let's start this off with uh, Dr. Bill Quacks at Dr. Quacks. Uh, if EA Sports were to release NCAA football this year, which would have the higher rating offense or defense? And who would be the highest rated player on the side of the ball? Bonus question. What was your go-to dynasty team? Go Vandals, Dome for Life. Happy Father's Day, Matt. Happy Father's Day, Jared. Even if you weren't oh, no. there, I hope you still had a good day. Uh, no, well, no, no Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick note here. Uh, EA Sports is like talking, Jared, about dropping the new game in 2024. So... Yeah, we could get this answer in a year or a year and a half. I'd be I'd be very down. I mean, it's it, it'll be Madden, which will be upsetting, but at least you get to play with your favorite college team, so that's fun. Yes. Um, side note, Jared, we were talking about this uh, last week, I think, and Jared looked up what the uh, most recent version of NCAA 2014. It's like, uh, yeah. what was it? On eBay? I think it was like three or $400. It was absurd. So if you have that game, that you, you are in a possession of gold, my friend. Or or I'll take it off your hand for 20 bucks. Just, <laughs> you know, let, let me know on Twitter. Um, I'll gladly Venmo or, or pay for the UPS shipping. All right, let's answer these questions here. Who would have the higher rating? at? I'm assuming he's talking about Oregon. Um Offense or defense? I got to go defense. And I don't think this is either really much of a debate in my eyes. They've got the best player on the team. Um, They might have the two best players on the team if Flo is as good as advertised. Um, Mm -hmm. Dorless is an NFL player. I think Swenson will be an NFL player. Um, Christian Gonzalez will certainly have his opportunity to play in the NFL um, I think Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill could could work their way in there as well. Um, I, I just think it's the defense for me. Uh, I don't think it's really much of a question. Maybe you could argue that. And then for my highest-rated player on each side of the ball, I think Noah Sewell would be the highest-rated player in, on the team. And then on offense, I'm going to pick TJ Bass being Oregon's highest rated offensive player, offensive lineman. He'd be like a maybe a mid 90s, low 90s, like a 93, 94 maybe on, on the game. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of a way to argue about the offense being like the, the better overall pick, but it's clearly the defense. I think there's just, you know, there's a lot more experience. Um, you know, Matt, you mentioned Stuhl and, and Flo, potentially Brandon Dorless. I mean, Sam Taimani is, you know, maybe a starter, maybe your first defensive lineman off the bench. But, you know, I'd have to think that he's somewhat like a mid-80s rating if we're going to do that. Um, 
I don't, I think there's just like really one star player on defense. Um, but I think them as a whole, probably in, in the grand, if I'm thinking about rating this as a Madden game, I'd have to give it as the defense being the better side of the ball. Um, and as far as the, the better two picks or the, 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 uh, the number one player on both sides, I think it's easily Sewell on defense. Um, Dorless might have a chance. Um, maybe, maybe, but I think Sewell is probably like a, a mid nineties, 93 to 95 type of guy. Um, maybe door. I think Doris is probably high eighties at the best, maybe an 88, 89. Um, but you know, still pretty darn good. I would take that on my team. Yeah. But, um, and for offense, yeah, I think it's TJ Bass. It's gotta be one of the offensive linemen. Um, I think Bass probably has the highest positional grade. Like, I don't know if there, there'll be like a 98 offensive guard. Um, but Bass has been playing a lot of guard this, this, this spring. So maybe it's big Sala. Maybe it's yeah. Steven Jones. Um, it could be, I, I don't know. It just feels like these are a lot of players on offense that are maybe lower rated, but their potential is like an A. I don't know how many people play MLB the show like I do, but the franchise is you know, a lot of A potentials on offense because they're all so young. Um, but uh, yeah, if I had to pick one person, I think it's Bass. I think he's the best overall player on offense in terms of a draft prospect. Um, but it is kind of fun to do these these exercises where you're thinking of it as a video game because I, I, I would have a lot of fun playing I, with the 20. I grew up Ducks. playing this game. I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I, this was my game in July, like July 19th to 26th is when this game would come out every year, and I would always save my money and buy it before my birthday. And piss my parents off because they'd always want to get it for me as a gift, but I, <laughs> I couldn't wait. Um, I, I think from an Oregon offensive standpoint, Jared, this is where I landed. Um, I think they would have a lot of guys in the low eighties on the team, but they wouldn't yeah, have really they wouldn't have really anyone in you know besides maybe TJ Bass and um, and maybe Forsyth that would be like a 90, 91, 92. Um, their depth would be really solid, but they wouldn't have just that superstar player. But like you said, the potential there for some guys to show up and become really good players, Cardwell, Franklin, Thornton, um, Winnington, any of the tight ends um, would all, would all have the opportunity to, to really become like a, a 90 guy the year after. Oh, hundred percent. They're all just, they're all we're still really young, like BA potentials if we were playing the game. Um, to answer the, the last part of Dr. Bill Quack's question of who was the dynasty team that you picked, um, mine was either like Boston College, Oregon, or my my first, this is going to maybe surprise some folks, my first uh, college football love, which was the University of Florida. Ooh. Dynasty them. Because that was like just after the Tim Tebow years. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun because I played this as a kid, but like on, on probably NCAA 12 or 11, whichever one Tebow was on the cover for. That was, that was a lot of fun. I was a big Gator fan back in the day. I, uh, I, for some strange reason, I rocked with uh, Syracuse. Oh, the orange. The orange. <laughs> nice. No idea. I, I think it was because they had a quarterback. I, I played this a lot. In like 08, 
07 to 14, obviously. And mm-hmm. I think they had a run where they had mobile quarterbacks for a little bit. Mm. And for whatever reason, I was just lethal with the option QB. And I just, I just ran roughshed with the uh, Syracuse quarterbacks and then turned them into a powerhouse. Or I would do – there was a version a couple years that had a creative school. I would create my high school. Oh, and, I don't remember the creative school. Power. I don't remember that. that. I remember doing uh, like the My Player. Where yeah, you, like designed your own player. That was fun. That was yes. a good time. I need this game back at this point. But <laughs> I'm not spending multiple hundreds of dollars on eBay for it. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Ross Maslich at Ross Maslich. Hope I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, after the last two recruiting weekends, how many commitments should the Ducks anticipate? And if you do, if you had to guess, who would they be? And we've just run through the first week of these. <laughs> two weekends that he's referencing um, a couple five stars, a bunch of four stars were on campus. Uh, more are coming this coming weekend. Uh, this weekend is pretty ridiculous in terms of players that are going to be here. Um, Mateo Ungale, Richard Young are two five stars. Jaden Wayne is almost a five star. Riley Williams is a top 70 player. Um, and then the list just continues to go. Um, Last week, David Hicks, the fifth best player in the country, was on campus. Jonte Cook, the second, another five-star receiver, he was here as well. Um, I, I think there are um, a couple guys that really fit the mold for could commit in the next couple of weeks. One of them, I don't think will it, he could be committing soon, and it won't be for Oregon. I think that's Avery Johnson, the quarterback. But I do think four-star Tyler Turner, a safety think he'll pick Oregon. He's going to decide relatively soon. Um, and then we've also got a couple guys that are going to be committing here in the next couple of weeks. Colin Gill, uh, a four, a three-star cornerback. He has uh, Oregon crystal balls coming his way. He announces on the 23rd. Um, and then Caleb Presley, a four-star corner, was also on campus for an unofficial visit. And he looks to be like another guy that could be leaning towards Oregon. So I, I think if Jared, if, if I called it, I think Oregon could land three to four guys here in the next three or four weeks. And it feels like they're all going to be on the defensive side of the football. Maybe, maybe a quarterback emerges here, whether it's Avery or Dante Moore, but um, it feels really good. Like Oregon's going to land a couple DBs. Yeah, certainly. And I think that's kind of the expectation with what this staff is and who, what they're about. Um, Tyler Turner is a guy we've talked about on this podcast, I don't know, for the last two months, I guess. Um, former Baylor commit with Matthew Pallage is one of his primary recruiters. Um, Pallage comes to Oregon. Tyler Turner also come, you know, visits Oregon and then sees what's going on there. Um, I think that would be a huge commitment. Um, safety prospect. And he already has a couple Oregon crystal balls going in on 24 seven sports. Um, although Oregon got Damon David back from the transfer portal, that's still a position of need for depth in the future. Um, I think there could be three or four guys who could who either have one more year eligibility or could just leave at this point for next season in 2023. Um, but yeah, there's, I, I think the names that you mentioned, Matt are the, I wouldn't say the obvious picks, but for lack of a better word, the obvious picks at this point. Um, 
I think a lot of a lot of people expect there to be commitments or pledges, whatever the case may be, like immediately after the weekend or during the weekend. And while sometimes that that's the case, um, I think it's more important that Oregon is is always the last the last visit for somebody as a prospect. Um, and I think Oregon has a couple of those coming up this this weekend and had some this past weekend. Um, so I think those are are, are more of a uh, a player to keep an eye on going forward as well. Um, you know, somebody like a, a Miles McVay who's coming in. This is his last visit. He's is making a. Uh, I think it's an early week trip. I think he's in Alabama th- starting today or tomorrow, yeah. but visiting Oregon at, at the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth. Um, the players who who have that as their final coming to Oregon as their final visit, I think, are names to keep an eye on. But for sure, with Tyler or uh, Tyler Turner and Caleb Presley. Um, and Gil, as Matt was mentioning, is another guy just to keep a name for. It's pretty impressive. Um, the amount of five-star players that are going to be on campus in the next couple of weeks, whether it's 2023 or 2024, um, it, it's pretty ridiculous how many guys are going to be here. And, and, the talent that Oregon has an opportunity to land should be pretty high. Um, you know, we, we ran through this exercise, I think last week on the podcast, um, the possibility that Oregon moves into the top 10 in the team rankings for 2023 without even landing one of the five stars that's going to be on campus is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it could happen. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise if we go into mid July or, it's the first of August, and we're talking about a program that's back inside the top ten. That's kind of what these next last week and then this weekend is going to set up um, the potential for for the Oregon Ducks. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish the back end of the Yachts and Audible's podcast. All right, welcome back to the Ots and Audibles podcast. Uh, Matt Prem and Jared Mack here. Um, Duck Greatness, Caden, uh, he asks us, what's your personal favorite team that you covered, watched for the Ducks for football? Let's do favorite team that we've covered and also favorite team that we've watched because I think those could be different. Um, you... You were a student at Oregon. You were a fan growing up of Oregon. I obviously, you know, from afar, you lived back east. I obviously mm-hmm. grew up in Eugene, um, was a fan of the Ducks as a kid, and now covered the Ducks as a job. So I think I think those are two different states of mind for us. So um, I'll go first if you'd like, or if you want, Jared, I will I will allow you to go first. No, please go right ahead. Okay. Um, I, I think for me, my favorite team as as a fan growing up watching was probably the 2001 Fiesta Bowl team, because that was the first year in which Oregon felt like they were one of truly one of the big boys of college football. Um, they had made the Rose bowl in, in 1995. Um, they played Penn state, but that was like, a that felt like a historic 
deal. Hey, we may never get back to the Rose Bowl. We may never get this high again. The, the, the stars are perfectly aligned. Um, they played in the Cotton Bowl the following year, which was a big bowl game. Um, they they had some big wins. You know, they beat Texas in the Holiday Bowl the, in 2000. Um, but Fiesta, the Fiesta Bowl was different. It was a BCS game when the BCS was still relatively new. Uh, Oregon had a lot of NFL players on that team. I think at one point it was like 18 guys were, you know, were on their roster that eventually made it in some capacity to the NFL. Um, they had Joey Harrington, Joey Heisman, but you know, Rashad Bowman, Steve Smith, Sammy Parker, Keenan Howery, Maurice Morris, Ontario Smith, Justin Peel, George Reister. Uh, I think even Tim Day was on that team. Um, it was just loaded um, with with guys up and down. Uh, Igor Olshansky, you know, fre- massive freshman defensive tackle. Um, and that was just fun to watch. Like, they were good. They beat teams. And then they crushed Colorado. Um, so as a kid growing up, I was – how old was I? I was a freshman in high school that year. And that just was kind of like what – I think really helped me get into this job of, I want to cover teams like this. And then from a covering perspective, I think I would go either the national championship team in 2014. Cause obviously it had the best player ever at Oregon, Marcus Mariota. They made it to the highest game. Um, they were favored to win that game going in. Uh, they, they had a bunch of cool dudes on it. The storylines were there. Um, and I think that was the first. I'd covered some other games and some other bowl games and some big games, but that was like my first time really going and covering like the biggest and the best of of our profession. And I, I'll never forget that. Good picks. Um this is, a, this is a tougher one for me because I'm a young in here and Matt's yeah. 2001 team. I was four years old. So I was <laughs> a little, a little different. I don't really remember that team. Um, but for me, I guess uh, as a fan, it has to be the 2014 team. I think I was either, a, I think I was a sophomore or junior in high school. Um, just an awesome team to watch. Um, definitely love staying up late and then watching those Pac-12 after dark games for, on, on ESPN or whenever I could watch them. Um, just, you know, watching Marcus Mariota perform um, the, the uh, Michigan state game that year is still one of my favorite games to kind of just go back and rewatch just for the fun of it. Um, uh, it's just, you know, really exciting team. Their defensive line with Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Tony Washington, who now works for the university. Um, for the football team, obviously, um, that was a lot of fun. Obviously, the Rose Bowl against Jameis Winston, um, just the pure beatdown that they had, that was great. Um, the Rose Bowl, to me, is, is, a, is a little special event just because well, my parents are from Southern California, and they both went to UCLA, and they both you know went to the Rose Bowl all the time there um, to watch games. And so every time I get to watch the Rose Bowl on TV, my, my entire family sits down and watches it. So which kind of leads me into the, the, the team I loved covering the most. Um, like as, a, as an intern, my first year, we covered the 2019 team uh, with, with Herbert's final season and their Rose Bowl win and, and appearance. Um, 
but that was as an intern. So I guess my default answer here is this past season, because that's the only season I've covered as a full-time 24-7 guy. Um, but yeah, the 2019 team was a lot of fun. I was going through senior year of college, um, pre-COVID. Um, so the, the Rose Bowl was like the final send-off before the world ended in, in February and March, um, which, you know, kind of kind of stunk from, from my perspective as a senior that season. But um, that was still a blast of a team, uh, getting to watch Herbert go to work. Um, Juwan Johnson's going to go down as like one of my favorite ducks just because of how important he was during the final stretch of the season. Um, that Arizona State game will live in my brain forever. Um, I think I've rewatched every single game from that season except the Arizona State game, and that might be a little uh, you know, biased towards preferably watching a game that Oregon wins, but uh, <laughs> I have not have not picked up the tape on that one. I'll tell you what. Burns. Yeah, that one was a yeah, tough one. That third and third and seventeen or sixteen or whatever it was. That one still up here in the brain, like on repeat. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think if I had to pick the two between the two, I'd say twenty nineteen was just overall a better experience, probably because it ended on a high note with uh, no no coaching change or anything like that immediately after the season is over. Um, but both both two really good seasons to watch and you know Oregon and contention for a, a playoff berth and all that stuff too good stuff there I think those are always fun discussions um we'll certainly have to bring I think a style of that back all right moving on <clears throat> John V Adams at John V Adams uh sounds like a president if you oh, had to rate Adams. the projected Starting five for the O line, who would be number five? Uh, who'd be? I was assuming who be the who be the five? Um, does Jackson Powers Johnson have a chance to push someone for a starter role this fall? Um, I think he's asking who would be the weakest link, like the oh, fifth okay. overall offensive lineman. Okay. Um, I don't think Forsyth gets removed. I don't think TJ Bass gets removed. And I I want to say when he's healthy, he battled injuries last year a little bit. But when he's healthy, Ryan Walk is also hard to take off. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Um, so I guess that leaves us with Sala and Steven Jones, if that's our kind of projected starting five. I don't know who would pop off that out of those two but i would say dawson jaramillo probably has a better chance of starting going into fall camp than jackson powers johnson in my eyes i think that's very fair um if i had to pick one of the starting five it's it's tough because they're all they're all pretty darn good i think bass is your best overall player um, and I think the chemistry and the camaraderie that Alex Forsythe has centering that um, probably makes you think that he's not the weakest link, even though just in terms of the position he plays, it's, I feel like it can be easier to replace a center than it is, um, at least this far ahead in the season, than replacing your starting left tackle. Um, but uh, if I had to pick, I think I would go with Sala, I guess. I don't know. I just think I there's more potential in Steven Jones than there is in Salah, even though I do think Salah is a good offensive lineman. 
Um, I think we've just kind of seen him struggle more often than not in the last two years, mostly because the the previous coaching staff didn't really seem to know what position to throw him at. And maybe that's a tell that why he could be the fifth option in this. Um, for Powers Johnson, I, you know, I still really like him as a prospect. I still really like him as a player. Um, I think he kind of got a little bit of, of like the short end of the stick last season with, you know, like, with Ryan Walk like going down with injury, but Jackson Bowers Johnson still being injured, I think that kind of hurt him. Um, but I still think he's a plug and play guy. If Walk or, or Bass or Forsyth is hurt, or if they're tired or whatever the case, they just need to get reps. I think he's more than a capable player of stepping in there and performing his job. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you, Matt, that Dawson probably has a higher chance of starting just because. The interior offensive line doesn't seem like it would be the issue, but if someone were to struggle, I think it would be one of the two tackles. And Dawson is, I think, at his best at left tackle. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I think the better question maybe for this exercise isn't who would be the fifth guy, but is there someone that justifies being in the mix for potentially starting off the bench? I don't know if, I don't know if there's definitively a guy right now where we say, yeah, this guy is, is going to potentially steal a job. Like I like Dawson. I like Jackson powers Johnson, but I think the gap between those two and the five starters, it there's a gap there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Certainly. it's neck and neck really. No, I don't think it is either. And, but I do think that both Dawson and Jackson are capable of starting. I yes. think if there were if there were a need for them to start, yes, I wouldn't bat an eye. But in this instance, with Oregon returning all five of its starters, it's you know it's kind of again like short end of the stick for those guys because they're both more than capable. Absolutely, I agree with that one hundred percent. All right, fifth and final question from Robbie Parnas. I'm wondering if from your talk talking with recruits, do they usually prefer to visit on weekends loaded with other major talent like June 24th? Or do they prefer weekends where they can be the only major priority? Also, do coaches push kids to do one or the other hashtag odds and audibles? Thank you for using the hashtag. Um, it's a good question because quick counting here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys are coming for official visits to Oregon this weekend. We know of at least 12 more that are coming for unofficial visits. So Oregon is going to have over 20 players on campus. So this is exactly what um, the question is talking about. Is it better to have a massive visit list like this where there's 20 dudes on campus and on top of that, you've got some big time five stars or is it better to have them, you know, individually? I, I think it depends on the player. I think it depends on the player too. Um, I kind of have a mixed bag of results in terms of players that I've talked to and what they prefer. Um, some do like to be the only guy there. Others like to have, I don't know, guys they played with the same seven on seven team, the same guys from the high school um, they kind of like to share that experience together. Um, some guys don't like it when there's the same position group or the sa- a set of player from the same position group of the same class at there at the same time. Um, it's just a it's just a player thing. And in terms of do 
players, you know, or do coaches push kids to do one or the other? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think coaches are more just looking to get those players at the school, whatever their respective school is, and, and show them, you know, why they should pick LSU or whatever school it is. Um, I think kids kids might push for that. Maybe they want to have their own separate weekend instead of coming with 20 other kids. It's like, okay, it'll just be me and four other guys. Um, I could see that as well. But as far as coaches pushing kids to do it, I think they just want them to visit the school regardless. Yeah, I, I think – you want guys on campus as quickly as you can and as often as you can. And if you can do it right, you get both, both scenarios, you get them with a huge group and then you get them individually um, or a small set, you know, of, of recruits where you can spend more time on it. We should note real quick, Jared, you messaged this while we were recording the podcast Some breaking news from our Brandon Huffman, um, not good news for Oregon. The top player in the state of Oregon, a four-star tight end, Tylee, uh, Riley Williams out of Central Catholic in, in Portland, the number 77 player in the country. Um, he has eliminated the Ducks. His older brother played for Oregon as recently as this past season, and he was supposed to be on campus this coming weekend for an official visit. He will no longer visit the Ducks. He will no longer consider the Ducks. He will make his decision July 1st between Alabama, Ohio State, and Mario Cristobal's Miami Hurricanes. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty surprising news here, and I think pretty substantial news, because I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, Oregon's going to have to fight to get him, but they don't really, you know, it doesn't really matter who the head coach is. They don't really miss out on the top prospect in the state of Oregon if they want him. And today they learned that they will not be in the, in the game for it. Big news um, reported by 24 seven sports, Brandon Huffman. Um, you can check that article out on, on 24 seven sports, but yeah, Alabama, Ohio state and Miami, um, you know, three major players and almost every single big, big time recruit. Uh, Riley is exactly that a big time tight end recruit out of the state of Oregon. Um, was originally scheduled to come this the 24th this weekend for a visit. Um, he had just visited Ohio State and Miami, and off of those two visits, he decided to cancel this this upcoming visit to Oregon. Um, not great news if you're the Ducks. Um, I just ran through uh, yesterday on the on how the Oregon tight end room stacks up as recruits. Um, definitely some good talent in Maliki Montevall and Spencer Webb, Patrick Herbert, um, and Terrence Ferguson, but. There's only five scholarship wide receivers, and then that's including Cam McCormick, um, who looked somewhat healthy in spring camp. But again, as, as you know, if you're an Oregon Duck fan over the last 10 years, you've seen that Cam McCormick isn't necessarily reliable to be healthy. Um, and you know, no fault of his own, but Riley Williams seemed like a guy who could come in and, and replace Cam McCormick on the depth chart um, once McCormick graduates if he decides to do so. Um, but now Oregon's going to have to turn their their eyes somewhere else. Um, there are you know plenty of respective you know, targets out there, but this does seem like uh, a bit of a hit to to Oregon's recruiting, uh, especially in state too, as the number one player in the state, and he's not even looking at any other Pacific Coast schools. So it hurts. It's a tough one, but. Um, Oregon, you know, certainly will go start to go after him. Drew Maringer and others will certainly start to hit, hit the recruiting trail hard then.
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they position here. They've got some options. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of running here on the fly a little bit off the show notes, but they've they've they have some options. Um, they were in there well with Jackson Bowers before he kind of cut things off a little bit. We'll see if they can maybe circle back and um, make a move there for for Bowers. Um, Deuce Robinson's the number one tight end in the country and from Phoenix. Um, they've they've been trying uh, to be a factor there, and then we'll see what happens. Maybe they can they can circle back with Walker Lyons, who eliminated them earlier in, in the year, and see if they can get his last official visit. Um, he's seen BYU, Stanford, USC, and Utah this month. Probably not going to happen there, but we'll see. Um, they've got some options. Uh, but we'll we'll figure out what happens with Oregon um, at the tight end position next couple of weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. That's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Ottawa podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for submitting the, your questions. We'll be back next week, uh, full group. Eric will be back on the show again after he comes off vacation. Until then, thank you for listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Peace.